Hello and welcome to Living Hope. This is Pastor Staten, and I want to welcome everybody that is joining us today. A shout out to our E family, all of you that are joining us through the internet. I want to remind you every Sunday morning at 11 o'clock, you can join us live at tv.livinghopemd.com. I pray that today's message blesses you and that you enjoy the word as it is shared today. I'm so lost to be found, and I know it's in my mind. Jesus, God, I thank you, Lord. Can you just give God a hand clap of praise as you return to your seats? I want to say thank you, worship team, for ushering in the presence of the Lord. good to be with you all this Wednesday night. Amen. I hope and pray that everyone's had a good week this far. And if you haven't, I hope, I, pray, I hope and I pray it gets better. And if it has been a good week, I hope that can, that momentum just continues throughout the rest of it. Before I get started, I would like to uh, first give honor to, to our pastor. And I just want to re- remind everybody that October is Pastor Appreciation Month, and right now our pastor and his family are on vacation in Disney, uh, and one of the best ways that we can appreciate them right now is making sure that they enjoy their time away, uh, and we do that by doing everything in our power to not interrupt that, they ta- the, the, that time that they are spending together. So also there are some cards uh, on the, the bar table remaining out there that that our top table that uh, if you would like to sign those and and write how much they mean to you, please do so. Or if you want to get them a card just from you, you're more than welcome to do that. Uh, But this week we're going to be continuing week number two of the series that Pastor started last Wednesday entitled Winning the War for Your Mind. And if you have your Bibles with you, will you please turn with me? to the book of Psalms, and we're going to read, uh, we're going to go to chapter number three, or 23, sorry. It's a very popular passage of scripture, most could probably quote, uh, but verse, uh, Psalm 23, we're going to read the entirety of the chapter, verse number one, says, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He maketh me to lie down in green pastures. He leadeth me beside the still waters. He restoreth my soul. He leadeth me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. For thou art with me, thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. Thou preparest a table before me in the presence of mine enemies. Thou anointest my head with the oil, my cup runneth over. Verse number six, surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all of the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Amen. And if before we move any further, if we could all just pray over the remainder of this service. In Jesus' name, Lord, that you have prepared a table for me in the presence of my enemy. And in Jesus' name, that God, 
our focus would be on you. And in Jesus' name, Lord, that you would have your way tonight. Let your spirit move in Jesus' name. I pray, God, that you would anoint me, Lord, as a vessel for your spirit to flow through, God, that you would use me. God, Lord, that your will would be done in this place. God, that, it, that there would not be an ounce of anything else but you. In Jesus' name. God, I pray, Lord, that you would touch the ears and that they would be open to receive in Jesus' name. God, I pray, Lord, that you would prepare the hearts, the minds, and the souls. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. So if you were not here last Wednesday, I would, I, would, I would strongly suggest that you go back on our faith stream or uh, our church podcast. I don't know. I'm a, I'm a podcast, podcast type of person. It's my preferred choice. I'm a very much a pod man. So you can pop in those earbuds and right in there. Get down to business. 1.5 speed, 1.25 speed. Pastor sounds like he just had like five cups of coffee before he started preaching. It's good stuff. That's my preferred method. But go to Faith Stream, go to Facebook, whatever it is, and watch last week's lesson. It was great. But if you missed it, just to give a little recap of what, what Pastor taught in week one of this series, this series uh, as a whole is a six-week series in total. The first three weeks, which consist of last week, this week, and then next week will be week three, will We'll all be done here together, and then the last three weeks of this series will be done in our location-based small groups. These will be taking place on Wednesday nights from 7 to 8 p.m., and if you've not yet signed up for our location-based small groups, on that long brown wooden table in the foyer, there is pages of each group and written on it the location that they, that they roundabout live. The city, uh, whatever, we, we went cities, not counties. We're all St. Mary's, right? This is a county area. We're not all St. Mary's. I'm not a county person. I, don't, I, don't, I never go by counties. I'm a city guy. So the, all the cities are written on there. So after church, if you would like to sign up, that's where they are. Pins are waiting. But if you recall, uh, we were pulling the content of this, this series from the book, Don't Give the Enemy a Seat at Your Table. By Louis Giglio, which is a fun name to say. If you'd like to, you can all say it. Louis Giglio. Giglio. It's fun to say. But as Pastor taught us so beautifully last week, that the enemy is desperately trying to pull up a seat at the table of which God has prepared specifically for you. God has prepared a table that is only for you and only for him. And that last week, pastor's table was uh, decorated with treats that were specifically his. But this week, the table is prepared specifically for me. This is my table. On my table, there is Pop-Tarts. If you have not had them, the strawberry milkshake Pop-Tart right here is specifically after you have it, it will be on your table that the Lord is preparing for you. Without a doubt, that is going to be on my table. And I am glad about it. On my table, there is Dr. Pepper. Can I get an amen? Any Dr. Pepper fans? 
Amen. Uh, usually, I, w- I, wanted, I was going to ask my wife to make a, a two-gallon or a gallon of sweet tea and put that on my table because I'm a sweet tea person too. That would be on my table, sweet tea that the Lord is preparing for me. And on my table, there is lucky charms because the Lord only knows how good at 1130 at night a bowl of cereal is. Amen. That 1045 feeling hits, and only, only one thing can solve it. A bowl of Lucky Charms, Cinnamon Toast Crunch, maybe a Raisin Bran Crunch, huh? Any Honey Bunches of Oreos, or Honey Bunches of Oreos. <laughs> that is an idea. Honey and Oreos and milk. This conversation never happened. Trademarked now. But this table here is is mine, but the enemy, but Satan is going to do everything in his power, he's going to do everything that he possibly can to try and drag his seat up to your table, and then slide into something that was only prepared for you and God. See, the thing is, is that only you have the authority of who is going to be sitting at your table. Only you have the authority to ensure that the enemy does not pull up a seat at your table. And if we are not careful, we can allow the enemy to, be influ- uh, to influence our ideas, to influence our thinking, and our life without, without even knowing the enemy has pulled up a seat at our table. Because the enemy is tricky. Say, devil, you tricky. I only heard like 10%. Devil, you tricky. There we go. The enemy only needs a millisecond. In less time than it takes to snap your fingers, the enemy can pull up a seat at your table. All he needs is the tiniest of cracks, a sliver of opportunity, the smallest window of doubt and the smallest window of uncertainty. And just like that, the devil is sitting at your table, eating your God-ordained Pop-Tarts, and winning the battle of your mind. And some of us have come uh, with the enemy sitting, or come to know the enemy sitting at our table to be the new normal. He's pulled up a chair like A.C. Slater sitting with it backwards at your table saying, what's good? That's the new normal. And we give the enemy permission every single time we say anything like, oh, that's just the way it is. Or we're all anxious. We're all worried because, I mean, have you seen the news lately? I mean, it would make sense. Why wouldn't I be anxious? Why wouldn't I be a little bit afraid? But in the exact same way we accept, accept that we aren't worth much, uh, in the exact same way we accept that we aren't worth much to God. Or we aren't worth much to anybody else. Or, or people, they, they, just don't, they just don't get us. Or, or people, that, people just don't value us. Or even that people are just, people are just flat out against us. Or we have what, what would be the opposite viewpoint where, where we are entitled 
and we think that we deserve so much more, and then we allow envy, greed, and comparison to cannibalize our God-given identity. But that's just the way it is, right? No, that's not. But allowing the enemy to have a say in our lives or allowing the enemy to have a seat at our tables should never be the normal. That should never be the normal. But in Jesus' name, we can refuse the enemy and we can refuse him and we can refuse all of his ways. See, we don't have to accept what is the new normal. Because if we were to look at Romans chapter 8, verses 10 through 12, it says, And if Christ be in you, the body is dead because of sin, but the spirit is life because of righteousness. But if the spirit of him that raised up Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he that raised up Christ from the dead shall also quicken your mortal bodies by his spirit that dwelleth in you. Therefore, brethren, we are debtors, not to the flesh, but to live after the flesh. So the same God that was raised from the dead is the same God that is living inside of us. In Jesus' name. So you see, so that same resurrection power that is available to us. The same resurrection power that after three days rose Jesus up is alive in us today. In Jesus' name. You see, Jesus Christ ha uh, uh, has broken the power of sin. And God is inviting us to embrace a new mindset and a new way of living. In Jesus' name, sin no longer has a power over us. In Jesus' name, we don't have to let the voice of the enemy control how we live. In Jesus' name, we don't have to give in to sinful desires. And in Jesus' name, we can win the battle for our minds. Amen? Because the thing is, that is where the battle of our minds is where the war of our soul begins. And the enemy would like to do nothing more than to make you believe the false narratives that he is putting out. See, the enemy wants you to believe the fake news about everyone else and that you hear over and over and over again about yourself. That is, the, the enemy wants you to believe everything that you are telling yourself in your mind and everything that is being projected onto you, those things, are that is the enemy's way of slowly and surely dragging himself a chair up to your table. I thought it would make a bigger noise and be like that dragging noise. I guess it, we got soft floors up here or soft chairs. The enemy wants you to believe that, and it starts with our minds. The enemy is attacking our minds. Can I get an amen? And this time, uh, is, uh, without the raising of hands, but I think we could all agree that, that within the last year and a half that there has, been at a there has been a point where the enemy has completely just been attacking our minds. And if you haven't, I'm jealous of you. The enemy is attacking all of us. 
It may not be exactly in this very moment, but the enemy is diligently working his way to subtly and sneakily find a way to pull up a chair at your table. You may not even recognize it at first when he tries to pull up a seat at the table because he doesn't always come dressed in all red and sporting devil horns. But at first, it's, uh, it's simple. Maybe another person just trying to sit a little close to you. Maybe helping them themselves to one of your, your God-ordained Pop-Tarts. Or maybe he's pouring himself a bowl of your cereal while he's sitting at that table. And then maybe at the end, he's wiping his mouth with the tablecloth. But it takes only a second. And it's hard to initially discern his true character. And at the beginning, he appears to have some of your best interests at heart, that he's trying to help you. But 2 Corinthians 11, verse 14 says that Satan is mask that he masquerades as an angel of light, meaning that he comes and he rarely shows his true colors initially. But, uh, uh, but, but the, the scripture says that he, he is someone whose sole purpose is to steal and his sole purpose is to kill and his sole purpose is to destroy you. See, the enemy will, ne will, will use whatever devices that are available to worm his thoughts inside your brain. Maybe it's the movies that you're watching. Maybe it's the TV shows that you're watching. Maybe it's the feed on whatever social media platform it is that you consume. And it is a feed because we consume it. Because you don't know how the enemy initially pulled up a chair at your table, but now he's here. But if we were to look at 1 John chapter 2, verse 16, it describes the three big weapons of Satan's toolbox. And they are the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. That's what the scripture says. Meaning that the devil will try to use anything that our body naturally desires. That the devil can use anything that we see with our eyes and we wish for. And the devil will use our own ambition to lead us down the path of destruction. The devil will use anything he can to find access to our table. But the devil only has one goal and, the and it is the destruction of your soul. See, in the beginning it may seem like nothing. But what we are doing is allowing the devil to have an opportunity to pull his seat up to the table. See, in the beginning, the devil can even appear empathetic to you. If we were to look at uh, Genesis chapter number 3, we would see that's exactly how he worked against Eve in the garden. That he began to prompt Eve into questioning if God was even truly God. And then he led Eve so gracefully to that tree. And the Bible even draws attention in the scripture to how the fruit looked. How it appeared. And the devil tells Eve that even, or if she eats of it, that she will has, have wisdom and be as the gods. The lust of the eyes, as she looked upon it, it was pretty. And the temptation of wisdom and being as a god, the pride of life. 
And because of this, it leads Eve, uh, leads to Eve and Adam being cast out of the garden, out of the place where they, where they were able to easily commune with God. In whatever way the devil gains access to your table, his goals are always the same. Whatever way that the devil may inch his way into your life, whatever way he can easily, that, that, that he can find a way to slip past your guard and get into your mind, he has one goal. He wants to get inside your head so he can plant those harmful thoughts in your mind. And those thoughts will soon spill into actions. He wants you to be overtaken by wickedness. He wants to steal every single thing that is valuable to you. He wants to kill your relationship with God. He wants to cause division with the people who are caring for you. The devil is vicious and the devil is cruel. And he is prowling around like the scripture says, a roaring lion seeking for someone to devour. And that someone is you. But if the devil is so tricky, and if the devil is so sneaky, what are we supposed to do about it? If we don't even realize, if he is so sneaky and so tricky that we don't even realize that he's at our table, what are we supposed to do? If he has already taken a seat at your table, can we even recognize it? Or can we recognize? Can we discern when the enemy is slowly but surely dragging his chair to your table? Now there are five deadly lies. Five deadly lies that the devil tries to use. To pull a seat up at your table. That first deadly lie. Is the lie of comparison. And when we are sitting at the table. That the Lord prepared for you. The lie of comparison. Sounds a lot like. You see that table over there. That table is so much better than this table. This table looks like it was prepared for a toddler. It really does. That looks like someone who's going to have a heart condition later. But that table over there, that, pay, that table's got steaks at it. It's got Texas Roadhouse rolls. It's got that cinnamon butter. Them rolls are hot. I'm sitting over here with my, my cosmic brownies on a, getting ready to go into sugar coma thinking about, man, that, that steak does look good. He points out to a place that isn't what God has prepared for you. And he says, that over there, you see that over there? That's the solution to your problem. See, the devil tells you exactly what you want to hear. The devil is a salesman. And he will tell you exactly what you want to hear. And he will show you exactly what you think you're looking for. But the devil is not telling you the truth. 
He is selling you lies and he is selling you death. Telling you that it's better at another table. That, that is a lie of trickery and comparison. That over there is better for you. And with this lie of comparison, the entanglement that the devil tries to use, one of his main weapons in this is social media. Where very rarely is there anything being shown, anything other than the, the highlights from somebody else's life. And I won't even front. I'm not on social media anymore. Because the devil would try and get me. I'm going to be, I'm, I'm not fronting. The devil got me, actually. He didn't try. He got me on these. Because you don't, like, and you don't have to raise your hand, but I, if we were honestly to ask ourselves, how many people have been on social media and seen someone that you're kind of friends with, but you're not really, but mostly you're friends with them on this social media so you can be annoyed at everything they're doing? Just, I'm annoyed that they just bought that. I'm like, what job do they, what do they work? Where do they work? What are they, they're traveling all the time. How are you working and traveling like that? You just went to Rome twice this year. I'm like, what is going on? And how can I get a taste? I'm like, let me get at that table. Sitting at home, just trying to think, man, I, they must have stupid amounts of credit card debt. That's the only thing that makes sense to me. Wishing that in a way. And I'm, t I'm, not, I'm telling on myself, I'm being transparent, but that's probably not the best thing. I'm like, hey, I wish they had a little credit card debt, I hope, the way they're traveling. <laughs> and thinking, man, I wish I could do that. I wish I had that. But don't look at that lie and buy into it. Don't look at the lie of comparison that the enemy is trying to ensnare you in. Don't look at that trap that the enemy has set for you. See, the devil loves for, to, for you to look at your life and compare it with somebody else's so that you would wish that you had what they had. And pretty soon, it's not just wishing that you had it, but pretty soon jealousy starts to add into your spirit. And then coveting begins to become a part of who you are. And then little woe is me, it becomes your spirit. And then we begin to question if God even loves me. Or if God is holding something back, God, where is that thing that I need? Or if God is, and pretty soon that you're, that you're questioning everything and, and questioning God. Is God good? Look what they have and look what I have. God hasn't blessed you. God hasn't blessed me. God, God's forgot about me. God has been, been lying to you this whole time. But none of these are true. In Jesus' name, none of those things are true. That is the lie and the enemy trying to, to, to he, it started with just a little bit of, man, that table looks nice. And then it brought your attention away from the table that has been prepared specifically for you with the good shepherd who has took the time to prepare this for you. Who knows what it is that you need. Who knows what it is that you want. But we lose sight of that because we are so concerned with the comparison. 
We've allowed that the, the grass is always greener mentality to creep into our mindset. And the lie of the enemy to pull itself a seat at our table. We allowed it to pull our attention away from the things of which God has prepared for us. And pull our eyes off the good shepherd. And the second deadly lie that the enemy tells us is the lie that you are doomed. This is the lie that you are not going to make it. This is the voice that tells you it is hopeless. This, this lie tells you that there is no way out. That, that we might as well just chuck it all out the window and quit and die. This is the classic, this, this is something that we probably tell ourselves to know if this is the lie that we have bought into. It's the, I don't know if I'm going to make it through this season. Have you ever caught, caught yourself saying something like that? Where does that even come from? Where do these words of doom and gloom even come from? See, these are coming from the enemy his pool, who is pulling up a seat at your table. If we were to read Psalms 23, that even though we walk through the valley of the shadow of death, there is nothing that we need to fear. That there is no need to fear any evil. And the operative word for that is through. Meaning that, that you are going to make it. That you are going to make it through this tough season. That you are going to make it through these trying times. That you are going to make it. That there is something that you are going towards. See, the enemy would try and convince you that this is all that it is, is the surrounding circumstances, is all that there is for you. That there is no ending to this trial. That there is no ending to this transgression. That there is no ending in sight. But the scripture and God, that good shepherd, has prepared a table and is not leaving you there. You are not left alone in, in these trials. You are not left alone in your sadness. But he is there leading you through it. And it's about pulling your eyes off what the enemy is trying to do and setting it back on what he has prepared for you. Keeping your eyes locked on the table and on the good shepherd, you develop a different kind of faith. You develop an even though I will type of faith. That even though times are tough, God's rod and staff are with you. That even though times are hard, you are not alone. God knows you're not going through a hard time. or God knows you are going through a hard time. He knows the way is dark. He hasn't promised to deliver you from your trouble. Or he has never promised that you will not see trouble. But what our God has promised is that he will see you through the trouble. So don't let the lie of the enemy pull you away from the things of God. 
And don't let the lie of the enemy pull you away from truth. And don't let the lie of the enemy pull you away what God is preparing for you. And don't let the lie of the enemy pull you away from this church. Whenever we think as though that we're stuck in this, we begin to push back on everything that surrounds us. We begin to push back and say, no, that this is it. This is it. I'm never going to make it through this. Why even try? But that is the lie of the enemy, trying to convince you to give up on the things of God. Trying to convince you that, that hey, you, this, isn't, this isn't what you had in mind. This isn't what he had promised you. But the fact is, is that he promised that he would never leave you in those trying times. That he would never forsake you in your times of need. In Jesus' name, that, that our God is with you through it all. So don't, don't let the lie of the enemy pull you away from the things of the church. Don't let the doomsday, doomsday prepping be the thing that keeps you out of the church. Don't let the enemy pull a seat up to your table and pull you away from the good shepherd. The third lie that the devil tries to tell us that he tries to use to sneak into our table is the lie of worthlessness. The lie of, I'm not good enough. Now we have to be very careful with this lie because scripture tells us to be humble. But it's been well said that that humility is not thinking less of yourself, but thinking of yourself less. And with this, I, with this lie, we can get easily confused. We can know that we are in fact created in God's own image, but use that very knowledge to leave us wallowing in the misery of I don't measure up to anything. But here is the thing that you need to know, and that is that not enough, the not enough anthem was composed in the pit of hell. The song of I am not enough to amount to blank, that I am not worth this, that I will never be able to measure up to, is not something that was created in the heavens, but it was created in hell. See, the not enough anthem is something that is crippling. It's debilitating. It's paralyzing. It's suffocating. And this lie did not come from the good shepherd. And if you are hearing it or repeating this lie to yourself, the enemy must be at your table. This lie isn't a reflection of true, hum true humility. But in fact, this lie is a club that is used to beat you over the head. This lie tells you that you are useless. This lie tells you that you will never amount to anything ever. It tells you that God cannot use you. It tells you that you are worth nothing. See, I'm reminded of a story where a man and his wife were at a, a, either it was a garage sale or a yard sale. The, the man is, is 
he's being drugged there by his wife. He's not a garage sale or yard sale type person. He's not a thrift store guy, but his wife is. And he was drugged to this place, a, a stranger's house, to look through their old stuff. And he goes in, they start in the yard and they begin looking through piles of what would be old records. There's some clothes, there's dishes and, and silverware, coffee mugs. They go through that and he makes his way into the garage and he's seeing, oh, here's a broken TV, an old DVD player, a VCR player, uh, all these things. And in the corner, he, he spots a motorcycle with a cover on it. And uh, the man says to the house owner, who was sitting at a table with his wife, he said, hey, let me, what are you, are you selling that? It, it, it doesn't look like it, it the, he said there were some things missing on it. He could tell that there was pieces on the floor. You could tell it was rusty and old. And, and the man uh, who owned the, bu the motorcycle buffed up his chest. He's like, oh, no, 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 that's not for sale. That's not for sale. And his wife grabbed his arm and said, yes, it is. You have not worked on that for three years. You bought that, and that has sat in the garage and not moved. That is for sale. And the, he was like, they, they went back and forth. And finally, the man who was at the garage sale offered, hey, I'll give you 500 bucks as is. Let me just have it. I, I've, been one, I've been looking for a motorcycle that, that I can fix up, that I can, that I can make my own. And there's, okay, 500 bucks cash, it's yours. He takes it home. The man starts disassembling and, and ordering parts and things like that. And, and as the story goes, the man started working on, on the, the seat, he, knowing, seeing that the weather uh, had really destroyed the leather. He, he, he began to, to take off and, and, and think, well, am I going to just wrap this in new leather? Or am I... Uh, I this is an old worthless bike. Like, am I going to wrap this in new leather? Am I going to order a new seat? What am I going to do? But as he pulls this seat off, he, he flips it over, and he sees in gold stitching the king. This is interesting. What a, well, I wonder what that, what that means. Is this a special edition? Is this something that, what, what does this mean? And, and he then calls, it was a Harley-Davidson bike. He calls Harley-Davidson and, and begins to ask for a little more information. And, and the, the, the person on the other line says, oh, well, well, that's interesting. I'm going to have to call you back. He goes, okay. Within 20 minutes, he got a call back from the vice president of Harley-Davidson saying, sir, where did you find this bike? You know, it, was a, it was a garage sale. It was rotten away. He, the, the, the vice president then responded to him saying, sir, I don't know what you paid for this, but I will give you $250,000 for that bike. Because that, that, if you flip that seat over, you see how it says the king? He's like, yeah. That's Elvis Presley's bike. That bike isn't just a piece of worthless metal. That's not a rusted away piece of metal, but that belonged to the king. And see, the enemy would try and convince you that you are worthless. The enemy would try and convince you that you don't amount to anything. That there's nothing that you could do for the kingdom. The enemy would try and tell you this small lie. But I'm here to tell you that the promises of God, because his name is on you. That he has prepared a place for you. That you are worth something. 
that you are worth something to the king, that you are worth something to our God, that you are worth something to the good shepherd. Don't believe the lie of the enemy. There is a value in you. There is a value in your life. There is a value for your ministry because our God cares about you. That our God has a value for you. Our God has prepared something for you. In Jesus' name, we need to stop listening to the lies of the enemy. And we need to look to the Holy One who is, has invited you here. Who the Holy One who has booked the table, who has prepared the meal, and who has sat down to join. And then paid it all to sit there and be with you. It's time to kick the enemy from your table. It's time to find worth in what's at the table instead of what's around the table. A lot of times when that lie begins to infiltrate our ears, we begin to assign worth to things that God has no value for. We began to look around and see that there's things that the, the enemy is trying to convince you that there's some things just right around the edge of your table that, that might be worth a little more than these chips. That might be worth a little more. That is a lie of the enemy, and he is trying to steal you away. He is trying to kill your relationship, and he is trying to destroy your soul. So if you, it is just, it's time to kick the enemy from your table. The fourth lie is that the devil tries to tell you is the lie of it's me against the world. If you're hearing a voice that is telling you that everyone is against you, the enemy is sitting at your table. See, that voice of that everybody is against you is the voice of fear-based logic. The voice that's telling you that everybody is against you is the voice of paranoia. A voice that encourages you to mistrust every single person in your life. This is a lie that, that crumbs your, comes across your mind as, man, that person didn't even look up whenever I walked in the office. I bet she doesn't even like me. See those people talking over there? The ones that aren't even looking at us? Yeah, they're talking about me. I know it. I know they're talking about me. They're out to get me. Some friend, I bet they never talk to me again. The truth is, is that it is very much possible that someone doesn't like you. That's the truth. Yeah. Someone probably doesn't like you. But the truth is also is that not every person is out to get you. But what's more, uh, uh, more even likely is that if you are hearing that lie, you already have your fist clenched and are waiting to be offended. That you are so defensive that someone can't even be just a person without you projecting distrust and angst onto them. See, this is a sign that the enemy is at your table. But the truth is, is that you need to let the good shepherd lead you by the still waters. That you need to let him lie you down by green pastures, pastors. You need to let God guide you 
and refresh your soul, guide you along the righteous paths of healing and restoration for his name's sake. See, you may be surrounded by pressures and uncertainties, but God has surely prepared a table for you. And it's in the midst of all of that. In the midst of all of that. And God has your back. Trust in him. Trust in the good shepherd. Because the table allowed you to change the narrative from everybody hates me, everybody is against me, to God is for me, and God has my back. The table, whenever we turn our eyes, whenever we remove the enemy and turn our eyes to the good shepherd and begin to partake in the things of this table, whenever we, whenever we begin to get into it, whenever we begin to open up the things that God has for us, it begins to change our point of view. It begins to change the, the, the viewpoint of, of, well, everybody's just out to get me. Everybody hates me. That person, <laughs> that person hates me. It changes your perspective. It changes your perspective whenever you turn towards him. It changes your perspective whenever you, you stop listening to the enemy and begin diving into the things of God. It changes your perspective when, 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 when your main course is the word. When it's the things that God has prepared for you, it changes your interpretation and your perception of everybody else. And the fifth and final lie is that the, enemy, uh, that, that the enemy tries to use to gain a seat at our table is the lie that there is no way out. This is a dangerous lie, that there is no way out. This is the lie of, that probably is the culmination of the four previous lies. That, that, that I'm not worth anything, that, that I can't trust anybody, that... that the, I, these are, this is the culmination of everything. There is no way out. There is, there's nothing that I can do from here. I am completely surrounded. I am completely stuck. There is nothing that I can do. I am backed into a corner. But I need you to know something. The Spirit of God is interceding for you. If you all would, would stand with me, I know that I, I'm not a, nearly a, a, as trained a speaker or anything like that, and I, I, but I, I just simply want to, to finish this with a prayer. That, I, that, that, that deliveries probably could have done better, but other people could have probably done better, but, but I know that as sure as I was speaking, there was triggers being, being flipped. In, in someone's mind, that there are some lies that have been opened, the, the, the lies of the enemy, my, my eyes have been opened by some of the things that were said tonight, that there are some things that I didn't realize were pulling me away and allowing the enemy to pull a seat closer.
There were some things that were said that were pulling my eyes off the good shepherd. But the Spirit of God is interceding for you. Lord, that you would open their spiritual eyes. Father, that you would let them see with the eyes of faith. God, that you have everyone and everything that is surrounding us surrounded. And in Jesus' name, God, I pray, Lord, that you wouldn't allow the enemy to have a seat at my table. In Jesus' name, I pray, God, Lord, that if there is something in me, God, that is being triggered, God, that there is something in me, Lord, that the enemy is leading me to believe, God, if I'm allowing, in the name of Jesus, the enemy to pull a seat at my table, God, that if I'm allowing him to take me and, and divert my attention away from the things of you, God, if I'm allowing the, the lies of the enemy to detract my worth from the things of you and put it on the things of this world, God, I pray, Lord, that you would work in me now. In Jesus' name, I want to open up these altars. You can come pray. But if you would just let the Lord work on you, that he would open your eyes, that he would open your heart, to where the enemy has so sneakily and slyly made his way into your life. Sometimes it is easy to start on your destination without knowing the exact path that it takes to get there. To get to our destination, we need to follow the one who knows our predestined path. Be sure to subscribe and watch us every Sunday at 11 a.m. Eastern Standard Time. Also, visit us at www.livinghopemd. Dot com. So I'm gonna wait on you, Jesus. I'm gonna wait.